Welcome to the Brain Factor Podcast, hosted by myself, Joy Riddle, and Laura Hawley. We are part of the 50-year legacy of Meridian Behavioral Healthcare, where we believe that wellness is within everyone's reach. This podcast is a conversation about what research-based protective factors look like in real life. Our hope is that you will walk away with something that you can use in your own life and have had some fun with us along the way. So let's get started. Hi, welcome to The Brain Factor. We're so glad that you could join us today. And we have a very special guest with us today. Um, This is Alan Pauling. And Alan is a licensed clinical social worker and a senior vice president at Meridian Behavioral Healthcare. And we're really excited to have him here with us today because it's June and June is Men's Mental Health Month. Uh, Laura and I figured we weren't going to do any justice to that topic, the two of us. So we probably just end up gabbing about it with a lot of incorrect information. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But you know, and I I do think it's interesting because we get on here and we talk about all the protective factors and, you know, how they show up in our everyday life. And I don't think we've yet talked about any of the cultural pieces, right? So how does that show up for like different groups of people or what are those concerns. So I'm super excited that you're here today to shed some light on what that looks like for men. Like what, what are we, what are we not seeing? And I think the kind of the burning question, and we talked about this a little before that I had going into this was, um, you know, just, I have a couple of burning questions. The first one uh, (laughs) is sort of like prevalence, right? So like what you know, with women, like there's certain things we have to look for that are really specific to women, like, you know, around menopause, we have to worry about hormones and how that interacts with our mental health. So like, what is it for men that really stands out that that, that we see show up more often, more frequently? Well, two things come to mind right mm-hmm. off the bat with that question is one would be substance abuse. Oh. Um, certainly in, in the mental health spectrum, um, suicide really stands out um, when you look at the men's statistics. It's three times higher um, on average. And definitely, if there is an attempt, they're more likely for that attempt um, to be followed through with. Okay, and so lead lead to death by suicide. So more likely to complete suicide. Yes. Any ideas or studies or anything that you know from what you've seen as mm-hmm. to like the why, or to begin to even unpack that? Why uh, is that higher? A lot of the same factors that hold true across the board for mental health are still in play mm-hmm. um, with men. However, when we look at some of the traditional stereotypes mm-hmm. um, with men often needing to always succeed, kind of do better than the next person, that, that competition historically has been put pressure on them. Does it have um, any I've heard, and I don't know if this is fact or fiction, because I'm not a clinician like you are, but I've heard in the past that completion rate is higher with men due to the methods that they may tend to um, select. Yes, um, men use more lethal lethal means, um, which usually is usually firearms, yeah, or possibly suffocation. Beyond that, um, so with all those pressures, um, and then with when you have these pressures ongoing, um, financial pressures, with appearing or seeming like they need to be head of the household, and they, and those things are not coming through, a lot of things start to get bottled up and they can manifest in unhealthy manners. Um, And that could be the substance abuse that I mentioned. It also could be come out as anger. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that certainly doesn't mean that they can't spiral into a depression, loneliness, if you have relationship problems, if you have work issues, um, that can start to all come together and those factors feed into something um, that's approaching or is a mental health issue, serious, that needs to be addressed. And Taking that next step is hard for anyone at times, 
And for men, they feel like they should be able to take care of it themselves. Um, it's not masculine if they reach out for help um, and or even discuss it in any meaningful manner with any of their friends or social supports. That mm. was something that I wanted to talk about, too, because I know, you know, we we do throw our husbands under the bus a lot a on this show on the show. Um, but like you know, my, my husband's fairly um, progressive when it comes to understanding mental health and being in touch with his own mm-hmm. mental health and, and all of that. But, you know, not that long ago when we were we were dealing with something he had expressed to me, he said, well, it's a little different for you because you can pick up the phone and talk to any one of your girlfriends. Mm-hmm. He's like, I got maybe like two I could talk to about this. And the rest, we just kind of don't do that. Um, and I was kind of surprised by that because I feel mm-hmm. like by like, as a society, I feel like we've come a really long way with, with the whole letting go of the whole idea that like men can't talk about their feelings. But mm-hmm. is it just too new and kind of not everybody's there yet? Or is it, you know, what, kind of what it, what's the mm-hmm. state of that? Look well, like? we certainly made progress. We made progress on getting away from, you know, boys don't cry, men yeah. don't share their feelings. Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of ground to be had, just yeah. like the stigma. We've made some big strides with mental health and substance abuse, accepting it for an illness, um, how common it is for people coming out and sharing their stories, which is very powerful other people yeah. who may be in a situation and they need to seek help. Um, so we still got some work to do. And then if you don't have as many um, friends that you're calling and chatting with on a daily basis, um, you're doing maybe some stru- some things at church or you're doing some thing with sports or whatever that may be for that person, going to the gym, they may not have as many people to reach out to. Or it's, and often, Men are, and humans in general, but tend to, they want to fix it yeah. and not feel it, as a recent term that I've heard. So for somebody who wants to share their feelings, everybody often wants to give them suggestions on what to do. And that's okay as long as it's suggestions for what, some opportunities for resources. But really being a good listener um, is not a trait that we all follow around with us at all times. So if somebody does start to maybe start to share some information, it may not go to that next step where that person can really get that out um, with their friends for that social support. And that's where you might want to start looking at if the self-help support strategies are not working, maybe your social is not coming, your social support aren't really coming through and you're still struggling, that's where you want to start considering reaching out to a professional. Okay. And that's where, you know, reaching out, when we talked about stigma before, mm-hmm. some of those other factors that would keep men from, from expressing or going to that next level, um, the fortunate thing is that we do know that um, males do reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, men can actually access care, but and it, sometimes it just is a helping hand. And that's where you know we can all do our part if we are know someone and they just don't seem to see, seem to be themselves. Um, they're struggling. They're you know maybe they're saying like I haven't been sleeping well, and you notice maybe some weight loss, weight gain. Um, maybe some things have happened to them. We know life happens and often Mm -hmm. it's not pleasant things. It could be divorce, could be relationship issues. So that's the point where, again, going back to being a good listener, swapping out advice giving for, you know, really hearing them out through and then maybe making suggestions on maybe what has worked for them before. Um, Men, they does show that men can access and use some of their prior successes of like some prevention strategies um, maybe joking around with a buddy, even though they're not directly talking about it, it could make them feel feel better that about that. Yeah. Um, and even um, you know, doing activities, working out, and then really the foundation of wellness, which we know, and I'm sure you've talked about yeah. um, on on occasions here with the podcast, is there's a wellness factor. You know, the nutrition is is a foundation. Yeah. You know, I mentioned sleeping, and also 
um, those those healthy, helpful activities uh, to keep things going. So if let's say I'm in a relationship and mm-hmm. I'm not talking about my husband this time. No, no, not <laughs> so at all. we believe no, <laughs> no, she's not. No, so <laughs> no, if, just kidding. if yeah, if I feel like my husband's struggling and I've, you know, offered process or mm-hmm. told him, you know, there's this text number or this number you can call or anything like that, can I call a crisis line and talk to them myself? Being that yes. I'm not the one struggling with the crisis, like, can I call up Meridian's crisis line and say, hey, this is going on. I don't know what to do. Can you give me some guidance? Is yes. that something that's Absolutely. available? Meridian, Alachua County Crisis Center. Right. And um, there's the, the suicide, suicide talk line. line. There's exactly. a text number. There's always a resource out there if it's not that person at that time. Yeah. Um, certainly reaching out because they can give some tips that, or some strategies that you may not have thought of. Um, and kind of review the situation. And then also, often when you call someone, they also have a list of resources, again, that you may not yeah. have thought of. Um, and then, and sometimes it's good to know when you're talking with someone, in this case, uh, you know, husband or spouse, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't seem like something gets solved at that time, the fact that they, you were able to give them that space and they were able to get out what was on their mind, or at least know that you care. That often is a, is a stepping stone, even, and that things may resolve themselves. They may be able to get through it. Um, and if it's not, you know, that's, you can always reintroduce a discussion, you know, yeah. at a good time. Okay. Now, if it gets to be a crisis, um, that's something where if there's discussion about suicide, we talked about the prevalence of men's suicide being three, well, three times higher um, than females. Um, it's, that's another thing where if somebody is in a crisis, they're having those thoughts, um, they may even have a plan, the specificity of that plan, that's where you really, you're gonna wanna stay with that person and reach out to those resources we mentioned because you do not wanna leave a person in crisis. Um, And often when somebody is struggling to that degree, they may have a tendency to reassure you that they'll be okay, but remember, we wanna know that reassurance um, does not go far, so you really wanna get that practical help. And that could be linking them on the phone to that resources, to the resource. We have mobile response teams now, fortunately, in our surrounding areas in the county that Meridian serves, and they're available 24-7, and they can be on site within an hour. So when you get to that next level, know that those resources are out there. And there's uh, mobile response teams, I understand, Mm -hmm. in every county in the state of Florida, even if you're outside of Meridian's service area. Yeah. Thank you for adding that. Definitely. So, well, and even so we if you're that. outside of the state of Florida and you're listening yeah, or watching, definitely. just um, a quick Google search using those keywords, right? Use your county mm-hmm. name and mobile response team or crisis response team. They're in a lot of places. You'd be surprised. And that's a good know it before you need it kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a question, and I know anecdotal data is not data, right? So, number yeah. one, is this accurate? <laughs> is my view accurate? Mm-hmm. And if so, you know, talk about that if you would. But um, in terms of like, clinicians that are out there, men versus women, because I've heard a lot of men say, like, I, I would, if I went to counseling, I would want to talk to another man, mm-hmm. right? Um, what does the industry look like? It, are there just as many male therapists as there are female therapists? What does that makeup look like? And is that even a thing? Yeah, I, I don't have the recent data, but mm-hmm. in the social work field, in the therapeutic field, there does tend to be a higher percentage of women in it. That's what I thought. Though it doesn't make it... Uh, impossible to access a man you know you can mention that preference the good thing now is not you know meridian has has a mix um Mm -hmm. we we do probably have more women when i go and think about it Mm -hmm. though you know if you look and you do a search and you're finding resources 
it is likely you will be able to find some whatever your preference is. Okay. And if you do show up to Meridian, we and you and we ask you, that's one of the questions we ask you when we do our full assessment. What is your preference? And it could be a male, it could be female. You know, it could work the other ways. Maybe sure. like maybe I because of the stigma and you know, relating yeah. to a man may not be where they want to share their feelings. It that's does true. come down to an individual decision or preference. Um, and that's why it's important to ask that when somebody comes in for services. Because yeah. the connection between the therapist and the client, we know um, that bond has to occur. And it, just like anything else, it doesn't automatically mean it's going to occur. But we'll certainly work on it to get you someone where you feel comfortable with. If so, that connection so there's, doesn't happen. So there's value in if it's not working, trying another therapist or a counselor. Yes, absolutely. Right? A lot of times people will come to me and say, well, you know, either they're talking about themselves or they're talking about a family member, my father, whatever, brother. They've been in therapy before. So when I go and approach, approach them, they say, you know what? No, I've been before. It doesn't help. But it doesn't mean it won't happen next time. You know, sometimes you may go to a doctor, just like a medical doctor. Right. It's not always going to maybe work the first time, but getting second opinions, trying something out. Um, the, the whole thing is to keep that support in place. Again, being a good listener is kind of some, you know, having that support yeah. and really looking, keeping a connection with that person. It could even just be texting here, here or there. Yeah. Um, when they do, you know, it's, it's real easy sometimes to ignore text or miss them, but especially if it's somebody that you're concerned with and your level of concern is starting to go up a little bit, make sure you take that time and not put that off to another day because if it is getting to a point where it's critical. And when you look at the, you know, we do have to take that seriously. When you look at the suicide rates, um, fortunately, there's a slight level up, but they're still very high. And statistics are only one part of the story. You always want to be taught looking at the individual and what they're going through, male, female, man, woman, children, whatever. Yeah. Anyone could be suffering. In fact, suicide rates have been gone up for, with the 15 through the 36 years, was 15 to 24, have the highest. 15-year-olds to 35, 36 going up, and also in the elderly. And then when you look break that, when you kind of stratify that, the males have a higher percentage of the suicide and uh, some of the significant mental health problems. But again, it could be anybody at sure. any time. That's why you don't really want to rely on statistics. No, it's just that mental health and substance yeah. abuse is out there. It's common. And these are some basic tools that we can have as, as a lay person, a friend or family. Yeah, so as a lay person, friend or family, and now I'm asking for a friend, what if I'm not very good with those types of conversations? Mm -hmm. And I've said on here before, I keep my feelings in a box up on a mm -hmm. shelf in, in the closet because that's where I'm most comfortable with them. Mm -hmm. I only take them down when I have to, but the rest of the time they're there. Sure. So I'm not the best person to talk to about uncomfortable topics. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things that I can think of. If you were the person that does kind of box things and not talk about it. There's yeah. actually types of therapy that kind of looks more forward. It's yeah. what called solution focus. And it's really just looking at what are some strategies you worked on before moving forward. If you're yeah. the person that can get uncomfortable with it, sometimes we just have to know that asking a simple question, are you okay? Mm -hmm. How are you today? Would you like to go out uh, for, for some tea or some coffee? Any little thing like that to get a conversation going. And yeah. you don't always have to get right to the point Sometimes you can go around, you know, when you're just in general mm -hmm. conversation, you know, oh, how long have you been feeling this way? Um, when it comes, does it last a long time? And then falling back on some of those other things we mentioned about eating and sleeping are some big indicators yeah. mm -hmm. um, that we look for. And then so you don't necessarily have to get into that nitty gritty, mm -hmm. but you can just ask some topical questions and it will usually lead towards other information, especially if, that, if you're being genuine and you're with that person and they're starting to open up, 
um, that's therapeutic in itself. It may not be considered therapy, but it's yeah. definitely therapeutic. But there's value there. Yes, okay. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked um, when you were talking about the um, support strategies and the self-help strategies, mm-hmm. um, like the sports and the uh, you know getting enough sleep and the wellness factor and all of that. Because you know you started at the beginning talking about um, men's tendencies to be very skill oriented and very accomplishment based, right? And that mm-hmm. causing an amount of stress. And I would imagine that some of those activities would would also introduce feelings of accomplishment, right? Yes. To sort of help balance some sure. of that yeah. out. Um, and I hadn't thought of that through the male lens before, you mm-hmm. know, and just even just thinking of my own husband and, you know, my brother and the men in my life, like, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of feeling maybe inadequate or pressure in one area and then they like go play golf and have a great game, right? Yeah. They've gotten mm-hmm. outside, they've gotten some physical activity, yeah. they've been with their friends, but they also accomplished something, right? Yeah. And then that um, mood tends to increase a little bit. I definitely build on that. Um, for all of us, you know, small accomplishments build on each other and that's why it's so important and um, there's a lot of uh, strength-based approaches that can be used. So we're not only talking about the symptomology and spiraling that down, but what are some things we can do to spiral up? Because that's, you know, those strengths, you know, if you're talking about, and it doesn't have to be competitive, though, you know, because not even, you know, the stereotype is all men are going to compete, but women, everyone, some people are competitors, some are not. But oh, we can look at, <laughs> are you looking at me? <laughs> anyway, all these, I think the people in this room are competitors. They've all won national titles. And I see a nice mix of people. Um, though, uh, you know, that that's, it can be something like gardening, you know, mm-hmm. it could be taking a walk, yeah. you know, uh, even a light walking, moderate walking has, has shown to be as effective um, and you have to be careful how you present this because when people are taking medication, sometimes we know your body starts to build resistance. Your body's trying to adapt to what's being in their system and you have to adjust medications. But, you know, if you, the walking helps in perpetuity. If you're walking, that's going to help you. It's going to give you that little bit of boost. And who knows, you may walk two blocks the next time. We know pets, very beloved pets. You know, mm-hmm. we have that, walking your dogs. Those things are all therapeutic. So there's a lot of things out there, but the nature of the depression or when mental illness strikes, it's just taking that first step so people can get frustrated with them. It's like, well, if you just go and walk the dog, if you just, you know, go walk or don't have double, you know, portions of, what, you know, whatever's kind of bringing you down, um, just knowing that that's the nature of the illness and that can frustrate the helper. Yeah. So, so understanding that point is, is very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what can we do to help support somebody who's trying to take those first steps, right? Maybe they're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe mm-hmm. something like adding a walk to their routine that they mm-hmm. already feel overwhelmed by. Yeah. You know, what, what can we do to help encourage that? You know, I think touching base with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think being there for them is, is, is the first starting point. And if you are able to spend time with them, do an activity with them, um, and it could just be like, hey, let's go to, you know, the 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 farmer's market or something right, like that. Right, right. Or, you know, so take that walk out. with them if yeah, you can. Yeah, you can definitely, if you can accompany them and just be there for them, so know that they're not alone. You know, that's the thing. People start to get alone and no one has, no one's called me and mm-hmm. I really thought so-and-so was going to call me and I haven't heard from them again. I guess they don't really care. And then these things start to spiral. So if we can get an interruption in there for a, a positive touch base, and then again, it's the simple things um, about, you know, help encouraging them, letting them know what resources are out there, I'm here for you um, if you need to call in, on that on that uh, level. And then the other thing is that we have mental health first aid um, certified instructors. I know Laura's one. I've mm-hmm. been doing it for a while. And there's also instructors in the community. But we have to really expound on that, that concept of um, 
understanding stigma, how do we reduce it, understanding what the challenges are for people to reach out and what are some methods we can do. And then they go in, and it's about a six or eight hour course, depending on which one you choose. And they go into some actual role plays. So you mm -hmm. learn those communication skills. And so you take away a lot with you, in fact. Uh, so it's similar for mental health as it is to like first aid or CPR for physical health. You take away skills with you that you can mm -hmm. use. And in fact, they're, they're used quite frequently. When I've done courses or classes, like at UF, I did a Saturday, Sunday, that next Monday morning, yeah. there was already people coming to me saying where they, what they had learned in that class came in handy. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you talk about the prevalence, and it's not complicated concepts. I think the trick is really trying to engage person, and, and again, falling back on, if you're genuine and you're caring and you're being a good listener, that's, that's like 95% of what you're doing. Yeah. And then it's just amount, if you've got that engagement and you're gonna accompany them or give them some information, if they do need to get professional help to help them overcome them barriers, because it could be something as, who do I call? Once they may decide they want help, could be, well, who do I call? How do I get there? Like, I don't know if I have the gas money or, or I've got to work. How am I going to do that work and pick up yeah. the kids? And this is why you're seeing a lot more people doing the off-hours therapy mm -hmm. and being accessible for, for those types of services yeah. in your non-traditional hours. Right. And then also there's um, crisis lines and telehealth yes, and stuff like that. So you could mm -hmm. probably sit in your office and... Um, have a session yes. or at night. I know that the um, the industry is opening up. Definitely Meridian is 24-7, yes. 365. We know we're, you know, essentially we're ready when you are because yeah, everybody's nice. not having their crisis between eight and five, Monday through Friday. <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, with everyone uh, with the onset of telehealth was already starting to get mm -hmm. underway. We know COVID has completely, yeah. you know, <clears throat> exacerbated that whole thing. I, we've we've increased, I think, 500% or more. Much more, uh, yeah, much more than that. So, and that yeah. allows people to access. That's yeah. one of the barriers can overcome. And some people, though they may prefer in person, mm -hmm. which we have and other places have, they may prefer the telehealth. They're in their own home. They yeah. don't have to take that 15, 20 minute ride across traffic, get stressed mm -hmm. out in rush hour or whatever, have to leave, they can do it. And when the kids go to bed, they can have, you know, get in there and have that mm -hmm. session. And there, there you go, you've got somebody access to help. And we know that it is, it is effective, therapy is effective. Yeah. And if you were concerned with anyone knowing, not that you should be, but if some people are, then, you know, you're doing that from your, your private room in your house yes. and yes. nobody even knows. Well, anyway, it's yeah. funny you bring that up because I had a friend, um, a male, a male who um, I encouraged him to get some professional help, mm -hmm. and he did, it's not in this community, um, and went when he went to the facility, he was in the waiting room, he was uh, struggling with his divorce. He ran in in the waiting room to one of his um, soon-to-be ex-wife's friends, mm. and he never went back. Yeah. He just was like, nope, I'm not, that added a whole layer for me that I don't want any part of, and, and just wasn't able to get over that. That was so stigmatizing for him that yeah. he couldn't move past that, but this was a number of years ago, had telehealth been really available at the facility yeah. in the community he lived in, that would have been a really great solution, really great option to suggest. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, if you think about preference, or, you know, mm -hmm. what preference of your therapist and what their background is and what approaches do they can they take. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a therapist that's well-versed will say, you know, there's a couple ways we can handle this. What do you feel most comfortable with? Could be going back and revisiting some things and rewriting that narrative to show the person as a survivor. It could be like, you know what, let's, we can take it from here and move forward. 
Um, so those are all things that we've learned throughout the decades. Um, there's not one style fits all. Um, mm -hmm. You don't have to go with the Sigmund Freud analytic thing to go all <laughs> the way back and start on that level. So we have that out there. And then so you've got the preference, meeting where the preference is, working on strengths. You know, a lot of times when people are down, they forget the accomplishments that they've had. And, yeah. you know, and pulling that out and distilling that out of the conversation and then highlighting those is very effective. Mm -hmm. Works very well for children when they have anxiety and they're trying to go accomplish something. You remind them of the other things that they've been successful with. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate all of your wonderful insights, uh, helping us really talk about Men's Mental Health Month and how some of the stuff shows up differently for men. But I think we also learned that some of it's not that different, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that human beings are human beings at the end of the day. So yeah. uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to The Brain Factor. Joy and I are so thrilled to be having these needed conversations. We'd love to hear your feedback on this episode, so if you could drop a comment or leave a review with your thoughts or any requests that you may have, it would be appreciated. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Living a healthier and happier life starts with one step, and we're excited to be on this journey with you. Until next time.